There are two readings this morning, and those of you who like to follow in the Church Bible, there is a reading from Job, if you'd like to find that. It's Job 19, and it's on page 523 in the Church Bible. That's Job 19, and it will be from verse 23. The second reading, if you have enough fingers... And will be the first reading, just to confuse you, is Luke chapter 24. It can be found in the church Bibles on page 1061. That's Luke chapter 24 and starting to read at verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And then from Job chapter 19... I'm beginning at verse 23. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, 
Yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Lord, on this Easter morning, as we gather to celebrate your resurrection, we pray that your word, as we open your word and read your word, that your word would be alive in our hearts, that you would quicken our spirit, and that we would be willing to follow you and obey you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me start with what might uh, seem like a a question that is a little bit confronting. If I were to ask you why you've come to church today, I wonder what you'd say. I wonder how you'd answer. You've got to tell me the truth because you're in church. What do you expect and why are you here today on this Easter day? Now, ideally, I'd have a conversation with every single one of you, but I can't because there's a few too many of you. However, I can invite you to have a conversation with each other. So, I'm going to invite you to do that, and I'd like you to have a conversation with your neighbour. If you don't know each other, introduce yourselves. And I'm going to give you two minutes to share, honestly, with each other, why you've come to church this morning. What has drawn you, who has drawn you, to church this morning and then afterwards I'll have a microphone and we'll have a few responses. Two minutes, off you go. Hey. So we're going to have a little bit of feedback. Now we haven't got our roving mic isn't working at the moment so I'm going to use one of these microphones with a lead but Steve has put an extra long cable on it so um, it should reach a reasonably long way if Stan's not going to stand in the way of it. Thank you Margaret. (laughs) It's just wrapped around the bottom that's it. Right so uh, I hope you've had a good little chat with each other and uh, thank you Margaret you're my assistant there thank you. Um, So would anybody like to share be brave I know you would Andrew uh, maybe, maybe a bit later. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've had a, you've had a rogue discussion. Well, come on then. Go on. All right. It's much easier without a lead, but there you go. Right. Um, sorry, John. So, do share. Lord Jesus Christ, over sin and over death, triumphing in glory. Thank you. Right. They all agreed. Right. Anybody else? Don't be shy. There's only about 300 people in the room. Okay. 
Chris. I was having this uh, conversation with Laura as we were driving to church, actually, that Easter time is so much more special than Christmas time. It means so much more without the risen Lord. You know, today, the risen Lord, we wouldn't, the crucifixion would have been all in vain. Yeah. It's wonderful. Thank you. All right. Great. Thank you. Anybody else? Ellie. Let's go over the... Uh... And for me, it's not about obligation or duty to be here. It's because I want to worship and I want to rejoice and I want to celebrate, um, but not alone. I want to do it as part of the body of Christ here at Christ Church. Right. One other? Go ahead. Right. Um. Um, today is a, a really special day for me because um, I grew up with uh, a faith. I knew who God was from a child. But um, I was on a mission team um, nearly 50 years ago, and um, I thought I was a Christian. And in the evening service at the end of the um, mission week we'd had, we sang, I know that my Redeemer lives and we, the fact we had it read this morning was very significant for me. Um, and it was at that point, as we sang that hymn, that I actually, the penny dropped, and I realized that Jesus is who he is. He is alive, and that he can become our personal Lord and Savior. And I actually became a Christian on Easter Sunday nearly, um, nearly 50 years ago. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I was sitting here before this happened, and I, w- I was thinking, if there's any, I just want to say, if there's anyone here who has drifted away from God at all over the, recently or over the years, that today is a wonderful day to bring all of that to God and say, I want to start again with you, I want to move on with you. So I just want to speak to anybody here that's in that place um, of thinking, I've drifted a bit away from you and I want to come back into the centre of your will um, just go for it, it's just a wonderful day to celebrate the risen Lord Wow, thank you Anne, thank you I don't need to preach, Anne's just preached for me so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful, thank you right, let's just um, pop this back, Aidan would you be a, a star, thank you wonderful Okay, so, yeah, wonderful range of responses, and it's, it's great to hear some, some feedback. And, um, and, and obviously, you know, I can really only have what, four or five of you and your answer to that question. Um, but I think probably a common link, if we were to sort of somehow survey every single one of you and ask for some sort of response to that question while you're here, I think it would be along the lines that you want to know. I'm guessing you want to know for yourself that your lives are connected to something or someone secure. I think you want to know, I'm guessing, that you'd want to, your lives are rooted and grounded in something certain. That your life is valued by God, an eternal God who cannot be shaken and whose purposes are clear. And I believe that what draws us to worship, what draws us to church, or draws us to this kind of gathering is that at rock bottom we need to know that our lives mean something. 
We want to know that someone is with us through the, the storms and the gales of life, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad. And, and the creed that we said, the Apostles' Creed, puts it like this. We said this, On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We've announced that. We've said that aloud. We've announced with our head and with our heart that Jesus is sovereign over all things. All things. That he is risen and that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, the highest place. We said that together in that statement of belief and trust. And yet, as we live in this world, as we hear the news, read the newspapers, as we meet people, the world can be an uncertain place to be in and to live in, can't it? It can be hard to be sure about anything. It can be hard to know that our life will make a difference. It's hard to know that the things that we've done or created will stand. Just consider what's happened this last week. Notre Dame in Paris. The uh, ancient cathedral, 850 years old cathedral. All of a sudden, a fire starts and this, this huge cathedral is burning in front of people's eyes who are absolutely gasping with amazement. They cannot believe their eyes. This, their cathedral in their capital city, the Notre Dame, is aflame and could have burnt down completely. Who would have thought it? The Parisians just could not believe it. Or think back a, a few years to 2001, you know, the day that any of us who was alive and, uh, and, and watching the news or anything, when those twin towers in New York came down, who would have believed it? Who could have believed that that would happen so quickly? It's hard to know very much in this complex world that we live in. Nothing is simple. Young Sally asked her dad a question. And it was a maths question. And she said to her dad, if one man can... Load 100 boxes into a truck in one hour's time. How long will it take two men to do the same? So his dad, dad rolled, rolled his eyes and said, Oh, what's education about these days? Well, it's, it's, sim it's simple, he said. If it takes one man, one man one hour to do that, it'll take two men half an hour to do that. But Sally said, No, Dad, that's not right. And he said, What do you mean that's not right? Well, she chirps, I need to know whether those two men are in a union. Because if they're in a union, <laughs> because if they're in a union, you see, they might have a contract or an agreement with the union that says you're not allowed to work at a certain pace. And you have to have a tea break every 15 minutes. Or I need to know also, I need to know whether those men are friends or enemies. You know, do they like each other or do they hate each other? Because you see, if they like each other, they're going to spend most of the time having a little chat about what they watched on TV last night. Or, you know, just generally discussing what they're going to do the next night. But if they're enemies, then they're not going to be able to work together very well. They won't get on and so they won't move the boxes in time and so it'll take longer than that. 
And so you get the point. Nothing is simple. I think you've probably come to church today for all sorts of reasons, but I think the robot is about... Uh, we want to know that our lives are anchored somewhere. That your life matters and it's grounded in the sovereign God. The eternal and sovereign God. So today I proclaim to you something that you may know. There is one thing of which you and I can be certain. There is one place where you and I can invest with confidence. And that one thing is expressed by the patriarch Job, whose testimony is this. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. A little bit of background. Who is Job? Well, Job lived a long time ago. He lived in the land of Israel. And he had it all. Until one day he lost it all. Everything was taken away from him. He, he lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost his livelihood. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his position. He lost his purpose. In a few short weeks, everything went. Everything was taken away. His health failed. His wealth disappeared. His family turned their backs on him. His friends turned away and criticized him at every moment. He had lost everything. Now, in itself, that's not remarkable because many people, many people lose everything, don't they? You probably know people who have lost everything. So it's not remarkable that that is his story. But you see, Job wanted to know why. Why had this happened to him? And, and Job, you see, wasn't just sort of there, to, he didn't shrug his shoulders and sort of drift off into a cocoon and go, on his, go by himself somewhere else. No, he wanted to know that his life meant something. Like you, like me, on this Easter Sunday morning, we want to know, hard as it is to know anything, that his life could be anchored somewhere and secure. Safe and secure. And so he records what he discovered. In that chapter in Job, chapter 19, verse 25. I know my Redeemer lives. He goes on. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end... He will stand on the earth. I know my Redeemer lives, he says. Now, how did he know that? He lived a long time before Jesus Christ. He never met Jesus. He knew the, he knew the sovereign God. But he didn't know who Jesus was because he never met him. Never heard of him. And so when he, was, when he said that, he was still on the, if you like, on the garbage heap, on the, on the scrap heap. He was still sort of, you know, scraping at those sores on his arm. Anything that anybody told him around him was sort of going on with pious prattle and saying, well, come on, Job, just sort your life out. Straighten up. Everything will be all right in the end. And yet there's no single evidence around that miserable man to suggest that anything or anyone could redeem him or bandage his wounds. And yet he writes, I know my Redeemer lives. How did he know? Well, he knew it by instinct and he knew it by hope. 
And what he knew by instinct and by hope, I proclaim to you today as certain fact and as bedrock truth. What Job saw with no evidence, I give to you today with not only the evidence of scripture, but the evidence, the incontrovertible evidence of thousands of men and women and children, in fact millions around the world, who wanted to know that their lives were anchored and who came to know that their Redeemer lives. And what Job saw, we give a name. The Redeemer lives and his name is Jesus. I know my Redeemer lives and his name is Jesus. Here is how I know he lives. He redeems. He buys us back. That's what redeems, redeem means. He buys us back. He pays the price for us. Those of you who were around uh, with us in January were meeting through the, through the doors into the hall there. And uh, we, we were not able to meet in here because of the carpet being put down. And in January, we studied the wonderful book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Do you remember? And we looked at that, uh, each chapter, over four weeks, and, and we saw how Boaz, that character in the story of Ruth, Boaz was the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. And Boaz, this kinsman redeemer, this relative of Ruth, quite literally brought her back, brought her into the family of God, and gave her and her mother-in-law, Naomi, fresh hope for the future. Now that is a picture, as, as, as we described, as we talked about in that series, that is a picture of what Jesus does for us. He buys us back. He brings us back into his family so we have hope and life. I wonder if you've ever known someone who, it's not a very nice way of putting it, but is a hopeless case or a hopeless cause. And, and you may have sort of spent time with them and you, you know, follow them around and, and you kind of wonder why, why, do they, why does their life go like that? And if you follow them enough, maybe for years and years and years, and maybe you prayed for them, maybe you've, you've seen that they've come into a different place and their story has turned around. And, and those failures were turned into, into successes. And that shame maybe that they're in turned into self-esteem. And if you saw that, likely as not, that's because of the Redeemer at work in their life. Jesus at work in their life. Turning their life around from a place of shame and guilt into a place of hope and life. You saw Jesus, once dead and buried, now alive, again with the power to redeem even the most hopeless of cases. Do you know the story of John Newton? A well-known story. Uh, a man who lived a long time ago in the 18th century, John Newton, he was a slave trader. And he was a, a, a man who traded in human beings. Can you believe it? These days, it's, it's still happening, but you know, to our minds, it's, 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 it's just horrendous. But he traded in human beings. He was a slave trader. He would go to Africa, to the west coast of Africa. He would go with his ship. He would load these human beings on his, on his ship. He would take them across the Atlantic to the Caribbean. And there they'd be offloaded and they'd be sold in a market. And he did that for years. 
He was responsible quite literally, personally, for the deaths of hundreds of African people. And one day, he nearly lost his life in a terrible storm as they were going across the Atlantic. And the storm got his attention. And it got his attention and he, and he read the Gospels. And reading the Gospels, he, he then met Jesus and he left the slave trade. He set that traffic in human beings aside and his life was transformed. We know John Newton's Redeemer lives because he wrote a song about it. And you will all know these words. We sing it today. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. John Newton knew his Redeemer lives. Who else but Jesus could do that? Who else but Jesus could turn their life around completely? If you could know anything at all, if you could be certain about anything at all, be clear of this. That he who once was dead is alive and brings us from death to life with him. He is a redeemer. He is a living redeemer. Now you may not have a story like John Newton. You may not be someone who was such a, a man who offended God's grace. But you have a story to tell. If you have met Jesus, you've got a story of conversion to tell. You've got a story of redemption to tell. Because you have. If you have met Jesus, you have got a story to tell. No one can take that story away from you because that is your story. And you can share that story with those around you. But however sorted we might be on the outside, we all need a saviour. All of us. All of us have got that deep longing to know that we are loved. To know that if the worst happens, there is one whose name is Jesus who will be with us. Who will never leave us or forsake us. And there are many in this room who can testify to the faithfulness of God in their lives. And so, if you came to know one thing today, this one thing I know. As Job said, And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself shall see him with my own eyes, I am not another. I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he is on my side. I know that he is my Redeemer, and I know that because he lives, I too shall live. Will you live? Will you choose Jesus? Will you choose to know? If that's a question you're thinking about, God has given you free will. He's given me free will. We don't have to say yes to that. He's given us the option of saying no. We can dismiss all the evidence. We can dismiss scripture. We can dismiss other people's stories. We can do that. Because until he is your redeemer, it may not feel real. You'll only know for yourself once you say yes to him. And that's what the Bible says too. As I come towards an end, let's look very briefly at Luke 24. Because that's what Luke says in that chapter. Luke 
tells us in that chapter in, in his gospel. He says that on the day that Jesus left the tomb and the women saw him, they ran to tell the disciples. Verse 10 says this. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others who were with them who told the apostles. But Luke says that no one believed them. Verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like like nonsense. It wasn't real, not yet, but keep reading. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home, wondering, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter got up. Peter looked for himself. Peter weighed the evidence. He got up from the rut he was in, and he let himself experience the risen Christ. He got up from that hopelessness. He got up from that fear. He got up from skepticism. He got up from anxiety. He got up from shame. He got up from denial. He got up and looked for himself. And he went home amazed, knowing his Redeemer lives. And as I've prayed, as I've written, as I've read, as I've prepared, I'm confident that somebody here today wants to go home amazed. Somebody here is ready to get up and leave the past and know a living Redeemer. I believe there's someone here today that God is speaking to and he wants you to get up from a life that is marked with pain and know Jesus and know his joy. Somebody here today needs to get up from fear and hopelessness. From that striving for success. And that desire to want to please others all the time. And he wants you to know the living Redeemer. A Redeemer who will set you free from all those things and more. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because what Jesus did on the cross, we are no longer slaves to fear, but we are children of God. You didn't know. You came wanting to know. But it's hard to know for sure. I tell you, if you hear nothing else, what he's done for others, he will do for you. I know. I know my Redeemer lives. My my own eyes behold it. Shall we pray? Maybe just, if you're comfortable with holding your hands in front of you as I pray, just maybe hold out your hands as, as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you you paid the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross. Thank you that you have beaten death and hell and sin forever. Thank you that you are risen again. And thank you that because you are risen again and because you are ascended to the Father and because you've sent your Spirit, thank you that we are your children. Thank you that we can be your children, your sons, your daughters. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room today who isn't sure about that. I pray, Lord Jesus, you will make that certain in their hearts as they open their hearts to you. 
that you by your Holy Spirit will come in your gentle way, in your love, in loving way, and gently confirm in their hearts that you love them, that you've done everything it has taken to make them a child of God. Father, thank you that you are faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.